Welcome to the Geek Teak Podcast, where we are flying into fandom this week. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. That's my flying sound. That's exactly what that sounds like. It uh, is. We have kind of a double main topic here. So uh, I've been playing a bunch of Microsoft Flight Simulator, and I have thoughts. And then both of us accidentally tuned into different parts of like the DC fandom, and we have high-level thoughts. We're not like huge comic people like some other people on the network, but we want to talk about it just because like there was some excitement that came out of it. So I think yeah. we're going to start with DC, right? Yeah, um, because I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but not so much like really in-depth stuff. I don't yeah. really, I haven't really been into DC in a very, very long time. Uh, it used to be like I was far more into DC than I was Marvel. There was a good period of time where that was the case, but I lost that. And watching fandom this weekend the dc fandom which was their online uh kind of their hall h stuff they called it hall of heroes but it's what they probably would have had at comic-con if they had already actually met and done comic-con so it was uh, basically all of those major announcements in this virtual conference and for me it was the first time that a virtual conference was really done right like they really uh made it so that it was entertaining to watch as opposed to just being some people on a Zoom video and uh, it made me really get into DC more than I have in a pretty long time. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I I kind of tuned in via proxy you know like i i was watching two people talking about it in our slack channel and in discord for just the geek to geek network i saw it a little bit on twitter but really my main experience was like after the day was kind of winding down and i had heard little bits and pieces because i had a very busy day the day that this was going on um i sat down i think it was saturday night and i just watched all the trailers back to back and for like the video games i watched some of the gameplay trailers too so i definitely have thoughts about it but you actually like watched it right yeah i did not intend to uh jennifer had told me earlier in the week like whenever she was first hearing about it like they had announced when the times for different panels and stuff were that there were going to be multiple wonder woman things on there and so she has been all in on wonder woman 1984 so she had it picked out that she was going to it started at 12 hour time here in central so we were going to she was going to watch you know the wonder woman panel that started first and then she had it just you know on uh for that but was just going to tune in at the specific wonder woman times well because we had it on it was really cool like i don't know what it was about this i think maybe it's just been that kind of lack of pop culture news how serious stuff has been it was just nice like as we sat there and watched them talk about wonder woman 1984 it was just like oh okay we got the new trailer it was really exciting because like she's super into it and like i'm really excited about it but she is like just all in and i'm just enjoying it and then that panel left like that panel ended and the next one came on and they were they were talking about it and she did something and turned the volume down and i'm like why are you turning the volume down i'm watching that i'm listening and like we didn't realize it that I was going to be that interested in the next thing and it turns out like it was seven hours long and basically we just kept it on and all day long we're just watching this as we went about our day that we kept on the entire thing streaming and maybe missed an hour or two total uh, just over the course of the day like probably not even total of two honestly 
So you told me this, and I was surprised, but I've been thinking about it for the last couple days, and I have a suspicion as to why. Okay, what's that? that, okay, so I've, I've been to one con, like, in person ever, and... Um, but I've seen plenty of panels and stuff from cons before, you know, comic cons, but mostly stuff like video games and packs and, you know, E3, that's the kind of stuff that I'm usually watching. Um, right. I know that those cons have, um, virtual tickets and that's been a thing for like a decade now, but yep. anytime I watch a panel or like, I've never even done a virtual ticket cause I haven't thought it's worth the money. Anytime exactly. I watch a panel or whatever, um, you know, on YouTube later when they upload it for free, I'm like, oh, this sounds interesting. It feels like such a bad production. Like, right. you are the second class citizen when you're watching it virtually because it's like the audio is horrible. It's like without a doubt, it's always horrible unless you're in like the one main thing. And it's produced for the live audience. And then all of the virtual viewership is like secondary. Whereas with COVID, they had to figure out a way to make it so that everybody's virtual experience was good. And I bet that went so far into keeping you engaged for an entire day. It did. Like that was the big thing about this is that she and I were talking about it and it had, we had never seen one that actually took itself seriously was this virtual con. It was done right. Like you said, they made a production out of it. They actually did this one right. And anytime that I've had a virtual ticket, like podcast movement last year uh, was great. And it came with a virtual ticket. Like you, I can still go in and watch any of the panels and all of the stuff that I might've missed uh, because I mean, it was huge, huge, huge. So I've gone in and looked at the, the way they've got it set up, but, it's not like it was just one straight through this is seven hours of programming and they had a and so it was just like you're picking these panels which are just recordings of the that are just recordings of the sessions that were there at podcast movement uh in person but like you said this one was set up where it was all all online like there was no way they could have done this in person so they set it up where there were hosts in the middle there were transitions they had they had graphics and i know as silly as this sounds like just the transition graphics and the way that they were just treating it it was its own thing and it was engaging in that way like they did it right and it was the only time i've ever seen one of these that uh, even though the meetings were generally a lot of just people on zoom the way they treated it made it feel like it was a fully put thought out production and i cannot wait till the next one next month yeah well and as somebody who produced tv for a decade i'm telling you those things like that matters it matters so much to the overall feel of the quality of a production to have hosts to throw it to to have transitions that are meaningful you know to not just have dead air like there are some core things to broadcast tv that just have never really made it all the way to streaming platforms because people give it so much leeway they're like "Eh, it's just streaming but now we're finally seeing these brands have to adapt to the fact that this is the only way to get it in front of people maybe we should up our game to like old school i mean old school as in a couple years ago but like (laughs) you know like actual typical broadcast standards and i think if more people did that they would get such a better response to every con that they do and i honestly don't know how i haven't looked and i really should read up on this to see how fandom performed like how it did in terms of viewership and streams and all of that because i still don't feel like i would pay for this but i feel like i'm because and 
okay, let me rephrase this. I don't feel like I would pay for it right now, but it has gotten me excited enough that I'm going to pay for other stuff. And like Multiverse is coming up. It's the next one. I think I looked on the website now on DCFandom.com that it is 17 days until they're doing this again. And they're treating it more like a real conference, like a physical conference where they're having more um, sessions that are overlapping. Uh, There are different tracks that you can view, but they're all going to be put you know in that same kind of uh, uh production quality as this but and, and my point on this is i'm still not wanting to pay for that either but having watched this and having this been free to me and be able to really invest myself i am going to buy more comics now I'm absolutely 100% over the week, this past week, I've read five of the New 52 Batman comics, and those are on Comixology Unlimited. But the problem is that not all of them are, and I want to finish them. So one way or another, I'm either going to subscribe to DC Universe, which is their streaming service so that I can see, so that I can read the rest of those comics, uh, or buy some of the trades individually so that I can have them. Um, and I may do DC Universe anyway because i want to see titans now that i've read and got excited about these characters again like this is one gigantic advertisement like it should be i mean that's all this is anyway that's all comic-con is one giant advertisement but they've made it where i want to partake in that as opposed to just being something that i do uh uh, secondary you know something that interrupts what i'm actually wanting to watch and they got it right like they really nailed this one on how everything was put together like they even had at one point um oh my goodness i can't remember his name the guy who does the lego batman voice why why am i coming up at a blank uh will arnett at one point they have will arnett come in and like you know this is streaming you know they've actually mentioned and talked about this on the show that they sent the host green screens and they're recording in their house and they still have will arnett acting like he's being teleported around the background but he is the only (laughs) one they did that to that's funny. Nobody else. Like, everybody else is like, yeah, I'm standing here. I'm recording. And he is acting like he's being zapped around and teleported. And little things like that showed that they were doing this for people to actually watch as opposed to something that people may tune in and just watch the trailers. Like, they wanted people to watch this entire thing. And I hope that the next one is just as good. Yeah, so I mean, obviously they had a success because they hooked you, they got you with this. So maybe mm-hmm. uh, we got to start talking about like the actual stuff that they talked about here. But maybe we start with the comics because I feel like I have the least idea about that and I have more thoughts about the other stuff. Okay, so, well, the comics that I read... Well, I you mentioned something about a motion comic and somebody else who was like an artist that was critiquing oh. things. Like there were some ancillary comic things, right? Yeah, they were these were really cool. Like they announced the Black Adam movie. I knew that well, I don't know if it's announced. Like they had announced it a long time ago that The Rock was going to be Black Adam. He was he's a villain for Shazam, and I don't know what all happened with the script. Like I thought he was going to be the villain in the Shazam movie. Like there's stuff that happened in the background with The Rock's filming schedule and stuff i think but they fully announced it the rock came out did a panel on announcing black adam and talking about what the movie is going to be and they showed instead of a trailer because they haven't been able to actually put anything together and start recording on that recording this and and filming 
they made a motion comic for it, which was really, really cool. And I thought was better than having just a few uh, snippets and logos put together like a lot of the teasers are. Like they put a, out a full on motion comic that gave the the tone and feel of what the movie was going to be uh, That's cool. for Black Adam. And I'm like, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, what was the critiquing thing that you were talking about? Okay, so this one was really neat. This one was what I was actually really impressed about. This may have been the most impressive panel that they did, just in terms of I'm so glad they did that kind of thing. So yeah. apparently they had taken submissions. And before all of this, it was – and I didn't follow this beforehand. So y'all who did, forgive me for anything I get wrong. Uh, Rob, I mean, specifically. Um, but it looked like they had taken submissions uh, ahead of time because they had things like cosplay interlude where they were showing like all sorts of fan cosplays for villains and and uh, heroes and uh, maybe like aliens or whatever it was. They had all of these like scattered in between. And then they also had fan art stuff like that as well And before people had submitted those. And apparently one of them that they had submitted to was to have Jim Lee, uh, who was like, I think they called him the godfather of comic art, which is pretty much true. Like he, it, you've, everyone here who is listening to seeing Jim Lee art, whether you thought you did have or not. Um, he did the Hush stuff in Batman. He started the X-Men series in the 90s. Uh, he's working on everything at DC now. He's like, I think he's actually the CCO, the chief creative officer at uh, DC now, which I didn't know. Um, but like, he is the art guy in comics in, in some ways. And he picked an artist that submitted their work to get on Zoom and critique their art in real time. Like, these people had never met before. They had never met uh, prior to this. But Jim Lee was sitting there looking at this guy's submissions and telling him, obviously, they're really good. I mean, they're they're good enough that you're going to put them on DC Fandom and have Jim Lee look at them. But it was looking at them from, you know, the perspective of what can you do to take this to the professional level? And and it was neat seeing him take the images and watch him edit them in Photoshop or whatever it was that he was using. And you could see him changing the lighting on it just to make it 10% better. And, be, and it changed everything. Just to see Jim Lee looking at this already fantastic piece of fan art, talking to the artist, and then like swiping over, cutting it, and being like, okay, what if we put a, a light source here and look at what that can do, consider where your light is. And it was just fascinating seeing him do this in real time and the guy not he was being nice about it i mean they were not he was not being like yeah you need to learn how to use light son nothing like that it was just him helping this guy out in real time and so you got to see fan art that was really good you got to see jim lee doing his thing in real time and you got to see a huge fan interacting with one of their heroes getting helped by him and having a conversation and it was like one of those panels that couldn't have been done at a real con so i was really excited to see this ah that's really cool um, well i mean and outside of a couple things like that that I know you wanted to highlight here, um, there was a lot of like just movies, right? Movies and, and games. They announced everything in the world, and we can't go through everything here. That's actually not what the, the, the yeah. episode was going to be. But like they announced the Batman with Robert Pattinson, and I am 
100% behind this now. I wasn't sure how I felt about it before, and it's not because it was Robert Pattinson. Um, it was because they've gone through so many uh, behind-the-scenes changes in the Batman movies lately, you know, with all the stuff, how it was supposed to be uh, Ben Affleck doing the Batman, then it changed to Matthew Reeves and just it moving right. everything around. I saw the trailer they put in. I'm all in. Listening to Matt Reeves talk about why he loves Batman and what he wanted to do with this, I'm all in. If y'all uh, are in any way suspicious of what this next movie is going to be, and there, it's going to be a detective movie because Batman's a detective, watch Matt Reeves talk about this. Like, Go find that panel, listen to it, watch the way that he talks, how passionate he is about it, and you can tell this isn't just a director. It's a dude who loves Batman who got to be a director uh, for a Batman movie. Um, it was great. The yeah. same thing... Like, I, I like the Batman trailer, it, right? too. Yeah. Okay. So, that, again, I just mostly watched the trailers and like the main videos that came out. I didn't watch any of the panels, but like... I'm on board for this Batman. Like, I like seeing new iterations of Batman, and I'll always give one a chance. Um, Batfleck has kind of lost the chance with me by now, so I'm ready for the next one. But I, I'm always willing to give, like, the next Batman a chance, and this one looks like it has a ton of potential behind it. Um, I like that it seems more grounded in reality, even if it is right. still kind of grim dark. But we'll see what they end up doing with that, because if you get somebody who actually knows the character and kind of can be true to a lot of the source material, you could do so much more with it than any anyone has ever actually done with Batman. Um, but there was enough in the trailer here that like, yeah, I'm hooked. I'm interested. I'll watch this movie. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing about this one is that it has that same Batman gritty tone, but it doesn't feel overbearing with the darkness. It doesn't feel really dark. It feels noir. And that's really what I'm hoping that they go like really dig in on once they get back into production is dig in with the noir setting so that they can uh, really make it feel like, you know, a 30s and 40s Batman, um, at least in, you know, that kind of detective story. So I'm really excited about this. I like the suit. I went immediately after this and we watched The Dark Knight. Like, seriously, it, we went from watching Fandom all day to that night we watched the dark night after it was over because i was just like let's watch something i want to watch a superhero movie and we it was going to be justice league but we decided uh, not to do that one and um looking going from the trailer of the batman to the dark knight which is you know pretty objectively the best batman movie out there it's amazing to see how much better the suit in the batman looks that uh, just in the 12 years since that movie came out, how it looks like a movie Batman suit. It looks like armor. It's very much a, a part of that movie, which is a, a an artifact of its time in some ways. And then you see the Batman and it's like, yep, that's what Batman will wear right there. Like that's, he can move more. Like that's how, that's how Batman fights. So yeah. it's exciting to see that change. But you, okay, so you ended up watching that one instead of Justice League, because I know that yes. you kind of got yourself hyped for the Snyder Cut, and then you were like, maybe I'll watch Justice League again, and I tried to talk you out of it. But, like, what <laughs> are you excited for the Snyder Cut? Like, where, where did you land on that? I am very excited for the Snyder Cut, because it's one of those movies where I, okay, I don't even know how to how to phrase this without offending somebody. So I'm sorry in ahead of time because this is not going to be negative. This is going to be just the way I talk. <laughs> I love Zack Snyder movies. Like I've always loved Zack Snyder movies. When hang on, he was hang on. I know you well enough. Can I guess what your interpretation is and why you're excited? Uh, okay, yeah. Okay, go ahead. you can correct me if I'm wrong because I don't care about the Snyder cut and like I'm not going to ever watch Justice League again, but for you, I know that you are such a student of media and like analyzing it. 
I bet that you are interested in seeing the artist's original vision for that movie because it's not what we got in theaters. Is that yes. why you're hyped? That is a big part of it. Okay. Because they had two movies planned for the Snyder Cut. And I know that for all of the crap that I give him, and uh, Batman vs. Superman is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, that uh, I'll, you can go back and listen to our Batman vs. Superman episode or wherever it was I talk about it. It has really, really good 30-second to two-minute sections in it and terrible everything else. And, like... That's why I hated Justice League, the movie, is that after everything kind of of collapsed in the DCEU, uh, Snyder had this idea of what a Justice League story should be. He set it up very badly in in Batman versus Superman, but he had planned two movies for Justice League. Um, things went bad. They took him out of it, brought in Joss Whedon because of all of the uh, success he had had with Avengers and Age of Ultron, and he had had some falling out with Marvel after Age of Ultron and during Age of Ultron, and. Instead of two movies, they made one movie, but they still had filmed all of this. So Joss Whedon tried to make one movie out of two movies worth of footage and then do reshoots to make it make sense, which ended up making a very bad movie, but made a decent second half of Justice League movie. Like, if you watch the entire movie, you can see it shift tone entirely before Superman comes back to after Superman comes back. Like, you can see what Joss Whedon did and how it's just tonally and cinematographically cinematographic. You know what we're cinematography. Yeah, yeah. The cinematography was very different. Uh, just how everything, the narrative structure was super different. The second half of it is pretty decent. It's not good, but it's pretty decent for what they had to do, what he had to do with it there. So I'm looking forward to having these four hours that Zack Snyder said were going to be out there because that's roughly what you could get out of two Justice League movies. And they're giving him basically the creative control that he would have had. So I'm hoping here, hoping that we get something that's I liked Man of Steel. I'm one of the few people out there, Jennifer and I both, we really liked Man of Steel and thought that it only went kind of jump the shark whenever it went into the like super hyper violent uh, punchy punchy at the very, very end. Um, So I'm hoping that we see more of the actual storytelling, the build up, the the actual uh, filmmaking that he had in mind. Because if you look at some of his early stuff like Watchmen, um, uh, what's that one? Uh, all I can think of is Suicide Note, and that's not it. Um, not Sin City is one of them. Yes, I forgot about that. Um, it's the one with the 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 girls uh, and the mental asylum. Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. That's it. Um, and Sucker Punch. You look at those, and Sucker Punch is another movie that got treated really poorly as well. Um, like he has ideas for an overall piece, and if all of those pieces aren't there. It doesn't make any sense. But if all the pieces are there, you get something good. And, I mean, that's the problem with Sucker Punch is it was supposed to be a musical originally. If you watch it, you can see where the music should have gone in. And the uh, and the studio was like, nah, we're not doing a musical, so you got that. And it could have been really cool, but it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, I'm really hoping that this turns out to be something super cool. Um, and if it doesn't, I mean... 
What am I out? Four hours? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, at this point, we have way more to talk about for DC Fandom, so I'm going to call an audible, and we'll do uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator next week as the oh, okay. episode. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Which is totally fine, because this is an interesting conversation. Um, but I will do a little bit of mid-roll right here uh where we talk about the fact that we have a patreon and there's a bunch of stuff going on with it um i'll let you talk about that in a second but don't forget we're part of a network we have podcasts we have streamers we have the geekery blog we have this new digital magazine that bj is psyched about and totally in charge of and doing like everything for so i'm excited because i haven't seen a whole lot of it yet um but all of that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you so what is going on with the Patreon and with the digital magazine? I need to know more. Okay, today, as of this being launched, uh, as of this episode airing, Wednesday, uh, August 26th, should be, unless something went wrong, the magazine should be live on Patreon. That the first issue of Press Start should be available to patrons on Patreon at geek2geekmedia.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash geek2geekcast. Uh, and it is a right now a 34-page magazine by contributors. Uh, ga- the way I put it was we're telling stories about video games and their players. It is, I kind of took it from Boss Fight Books and Like the Wind magazine, uh, kind of a storytelling journal where we're looking at video games, but we're also looking at their impact on the gamers. Uh, so it's really, really cool. We have... Uh, um, lots of cool stuff like uh, about Pokemon, Dragon Quest 3. We have stuff on Final Fantasy, Trials of Mana, DuckTales, just really cool stuff. And every patron uh, gets access to this. And there's a lot of more cool stuff at the Patreon that we're going to be doing uh, that we're wanting to introduce live streaming and different kinds of content uh, for this to kind of be a supplement. Uh, but we, we need the the room and the uh, the support to be able to grow and do that so check it out and it launched today so we're really excited let us know what you think about it um okay we got to get back to the main topic which is going to be the rest of the episode because there's a lot left here so other movie stuff i i know that we started this you were about to talk about wonder woman and then we talked for 20 minutes about other things what was it about <laughs> wonder woman that you initially were like psyched for or like what did you end up coming away from this with i Okay, so they are... I think this movie is going to be really, really, really fantastic. And I think DC has a lot riding on this movie. I've not read a lot about the the behind-the-scenes stuff, about what's going on in terms of production. But right now, I think the, the movie... It was supposed to come out this summer. It was supposed to be out like two or three months ago and be a summer blockbuster and everything was supposed to be great. But, you know, COVID happened. So they're, they've... They said initially that it was going to be in August. That got moved back to now. It's supposed to launch on or be released on October 2nd. Unfortunately, um, in in fandom, they didn't actually give the date that they had previously announced on other stuff. So they just said uh, in theaters only, which makes Jennifer and me think that it is uh, not going to be in October, uh, which also means that they're still expecting this movie to do really well. And that it's not something they're just going to put out and take what they can get from 
from it. Like they have, they see this as doing really well regardless, which gives me really, really big high hopes for it because the first Wonder Woman was a fantastic movie. So I'm excited about this because it takes place in 1984 and they have done nothing but make uh, this movie like it's a period piece in the same way that the first one was and like the, the Captain America First Avenger was and they've put so much into making it feel right that I'm really excited to see it because I mean I was young in the 80s but I still remember the 80s so this is going to be one of those that's fun for me to watch kind of like uh, stranger things for people our age yeah oh yeah same for me no i'm all about the 80s throwback in this one or not even the throwback but just like you said it's a period piece and they're leaning into it that's exciting because we're starting to get more period pieces from the 80s and the 90s which is like when you and i grew up and as we're seeing that i'm it's not even nostalgia that's like drawing me to it it's just seeing our right. childhood through a completely different lens and like reinterpreted by today's culture. I want to see more of that. And we will, because I mean, that's what happens over time, right? It's just the period <laughs> pieces shift and you have more periods to work with. Um, but yeah, you no, do. I'm like, I'm, I'm not like super crazy psyched about it just because again, DC just doesn't do as much for me as it does for you. But this is one where I saw it and I was like, yeah, I'll see that. Like, I'll definitely see this movie at some point. I don't know if I'll see it in theaters, but if I don't see it in theaters, I'll see it right when it comes out on streaming at some point. Like, it's a movie that I will watch in the future for sure. What I will see it on, Jennifer and I have already decided this. There is a drive-in theater about 30 minutes away. And when it gets to the drive-in theater, and which I'm assuming is going to be, you know, the first day it comes out because it's going to be like one of the like eight movies that comes out this year in theaters. Um, it's going to be there and we're going to get there as early as we can, pick our spot, sit and wait and watch Wonder Woman at the drive-thru uh, drive-in theater, drive-thru theater, the drive-in theater. <laughs> and, uh, uh, what we're excited about that already. Like she's a huge fan. Like she's way more excited about it than I am. And so I'm excited, like because she's excited and I see this stuff, but the movie itself looks really good. And it's got Pedro Pascal in it as the, as the main bad guy. And he, who was also the Mandalorian for those of you who don't know. So like, it's got a, just an amazing cast. And I didn't know about Kristen Wiig an SNL actress who was a great actress, but she's also one of the bad guys she plays cheetah and this trailer was the first time we actually saw cheetah as a as a villain like in full like she's a cat woman um and so it looked pretty cool so i'm pretty excited about this one uh the trailer looks really really cool and there was a spoiler i think uh from funko uh that spoiled part of the movie that's not really spoiling but um a toy gave away something that people were speculating about. So uh, for like 10 seconds, I'm going to say it here. There's a wonder woman's going to fly in this one. And so I'm excited to see that because the other trailers only showed her lassoing something and like jumping really far being pulled by the lasso. So now she uh, is actually like confirmed going to fly because of toys or something like that. So that's going to be really cool. So after the trailer and everything, that was all in the first panel. So the second one that they did was like a conversation between Venus Williams, the the tennis player, and Patty Jenkins, the director. Like it was a one-on-one conversation. So apparently Venus Williams is 
a massive Wonder Woman fan and just absolutely massive. Like she has a clothing line of athletic wear. And now because of 1984, she's doing an entire like Wonder Woman themed, uh, like line of her athletic wear. And they look really cool. Like they're like actual, like stylish things. She's like, I want a stuff that I would wear to the Olympics to put out in this. And, uh, it was like, it did. The stuff looked really, really good. And apparently all of her, uh, Olympics outfits, if you ever go back and I'm going to do this, if you ever go back and look at all, all of the tennis outfits that Venus Williams has worn in the Olympics, she said she always puts them together to make her feel like Wonder Woman. That there's always something there uh, that's based on Wonder Woman. So I'm, I've got to go back and see all of that. Cool. But like, so they're, they've never met before outside of this like online Zoom, co- Zoom conversation. And it's just fascinating to watch the director and just like this, this fan who is working with a clothing line, like a license, but, but just these two women just having a great time and laughing with each other. Like they are, uh, like they're just, just, lifelong friends and it was great just to hear that stuff going on about the uh 85th anniversary of wonder woman because that's this year like the the first wonder woman comic was 85 years ago and then like the next one after that was they played werewolf like the entire cast there were like 16 of them i think uh who got together and played werewolf 1984 you know the the game like where yeah, yeah. that people play werewolf and so there's the version of it like mafia and things like that right yeah totally i don't know how they played it over zoom they didn't really explain it but they were laughing and having a good time playing werewolf it was they called it werewolf 1984 and played it on here uh and it it was funny they were making jokes it was it was it was it was great to see but the the part that really stood out to me and watching that was whenever i'm watching a movie cast do stuff like this it's you can generally tell if they really get along or if they're getting along for publicity like you're never gonna have a, a giant ensemble like that and have one person who's like yeah i hate all these people and just stand off to the back like they all get paid to act like they're friends these people adore each other. There is no doubt in my mind that every one of these people has fun with each other and would uh, and and are legitimately okay and happy to be around them and like they miss each other after they're they're apart. Like I am one hundred percent certain they adore one another. So just watching them interact is fun because you have a bunch of again a bunch of beautiful people on TV having a good time about something they love and something you. love love and it's just it's that's what it's all about really that's why we do this kind of stuff is to see is to have people happy about something i mean that's why we do this podcast is to talk about stuff we love and that's what that panel was it was just a bunch of people talking about what they loved with people they loved it was just very nice to see and uh, so i i'm i just really really appreciated that cool which kind of probably brings us to suicide squad as a movie (laughs) Did that do anything for you? Actually, yes. Um, I okay. So two, three years ago, whenever it was newish, um, on my birthday, I looked at Jennifer and I said, "I want to watch Suicide Squad for my birthday," and she was like, "What?" And so we watched Suicide Squad for my birthday, and it was terrible, and it's awful, and it is bad. Uh, There were a few moments in it that were good, and they generally revolved around Harley um, and Deadshot. 
And other than that, it was pretty much a, uh, a a dumpster fire. Suicide Squad, or actually, I guess what I should say is The Suicide Squad, because I think that's the name of this movie, um, looks really fantastic. And that's because it looks like it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um what it looks like, the James Gunn is doing it, the guy who directed Guardians 1 and 2. Uh, so he's doing it. Um, he actually has a lot of people from Guardians in there. Uh, he has, I know, uh, Nathan Fillion, who is in everything he does. Uh, he has Michael Rooker, who played Yondu in it. And he pulled a bunch of like really obscure uh, Suicide Squad villains from the past, like Polka Dot Man. Um, and uh, one of the guys, I think he plays Javelin, he he um he's the guy who played Takashi Kovach in the first season of Altered Carbon. Okay. So he's in it. And I loved him. Like he was fantastic in that season. So it's like I look at this movie and what I see is Guardians of the Galaxy style humor because you have these really absurd characters in James Gunn's like filmmaking and writing style. Uh, Taika Waititi is actually in it, who was the director of Thor Ragnarok. So you have these people involved. And then you have Suicide Squad, which is DC. So it's like, mm, what are they going to do with it? But everything that else, like they're showing the explosions. And you know that because it's Suicide Squad, everybody's going to be like dying left and right because there's like two dozen like starring quote unquote heroes here, like starting characters. So they're all going to get blown up in all these really interesting ways. So what Suicide Squad looks like to me is a Guardians of the Galaxy movie combined with a Deadpool movie. Like if you took both of those and kind of put the the tone of a Deadpool movie on the humor of a Guardians movie, I have a feeling that's what we're going to get with the Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. And I, and I think I'm, I'm on board just because it's James Gunn and because yep. like Guardians and Guardians 2, I like those movies a lot and I had never really watched much of his stuff before. But after seeing those, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch the next couple movies he does. And if I like him outside of just Guardians, then like maybe he's a director that I watch from now on. But, you know, he won enough goodwill for me just with Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians 2 that like, yeah, I want to I want to see this just to see what he does. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of what DC was banking on when they hired him, because there was a big falling out when Marvel let him go from Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, DC snatched him up and was like, hey, we have something like that. We have Suicide Squad. Do you want to make it better? And so he's like, yeah, sure. And then Marvel was like, hey, we're sorry. Um, can you make Guardians 3, please? And he's like, yeah, okay fine and yeah. that that is the entire like uh that is actually like verbatim what they said and but but really that's about what happened and so now we're just going to get another cool movie from james gunn and i'm all about it the yeah. game on the other hand is a continuation of the arkham games which i am it's going to be hit or miss for me i think like i think i'm going to like this game and I think it's going to be fun because it looks over the top and violent. But on Slack, right before we came in here, before we started recording, Ariel said that he was uh, that it was a miss for him because of because of evil Superman. And it's called just or it's called Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. So you knew that the that the Justice League was going to be in uh, opposition to them. But I kind of agree with Ariel on this. Uh, they're brainiac into being evil, and so I'm not. 
I don't like that. Like you see Superman kill somebody in the in the trailer, and that's not what I sign up for with Superman. So I'm really hoping that that happens less and you see more of the, uh, the rest of the justice league, uh, and suicide squad actually getting to stop them from doing things like that. Well, so I, the, the trailer for the suicide squad game didn't do much for me, but it was kind of just a tone trailer and like mm-hmm. a CG trailer. It wasn't actual gameplay. Right. And this is the developer that did the good, the three good Arkham games, not the one that you just <laughs> should ignore because that doesn't count. Cause it was a different developer. Um, and I loved all those games when they came out. I trust this developer to do good work. So I think that the game is actually going to be good. I just need to see a gameplay trailer because the tone piece that they put out didn't do anything for me at all. And I, it did for me because of they had set it up with the movie beforehand because I was already in that mindset of the Suicide Squad movie with James Gunn. So then when they show this tone piece, uh, so it's got that same kind of irreverent, but uh, almost over the top vibe. And uh, so I think it's going to work. But the one thing they did say on this one that the developer said was that you don't have to pick a character that you can at any point in the game switch between any of the members. So if you're Harley and you want to all of a sudden be uh, King Shark, who is a giant shark man, by the way, Void, he uh, is a giant shark man and you love sharks. uh, So you can be King Shark immediately after that. Like you can just press a button and become King shark or captain boomerang or uh is it Deadshot? who's the other one uh that yeah exactly like you've already forgotten because they're just kind of like uh yeah i that's, don't know but that's what i've always felt about the suicide squad characters like even when they were announcing the first one like all of the dc villains none of them are I, I like DC, but for the most part, a lot of these villains, they pull in for stuff like this. They're not the best. I mean, you're looking at Captain Boomerang here, and I couldn't tell you who half the people were in Suicide Squad, uh, the first movie, because I honestly cannot remember at this point. And I mean, yeah. that's kind of the point, but also, like, these aren't my characters. This isn't the part of DC that I was always super into. But at the same time, you know what? It sounds pretty cool to run around as a giant shark and kind of destroying things. Uh, after that, I don't know if I'll stick around for the whole thing, though. It depends on how well they do it. So this is like what Rocksteady Games has been doing since they finished Arkham Knight years ago at this point. So I'm they have years of development into this game. Right. And the last few games they put out have been so like AAA polished, starting with like, you know, Arkham Asylum and then Arkham City, Arkham Knight. Like they were just so good that I have no reason to suspect this game won't be great. Um, but it's weird because we have to talk about it in context with kind of the last subject here that we have written down, which is Gotham Knights. Because yeah. Gotham Knights, the game, it feels like it is the next one of the Arkham games. Like it yes. has an Arkham vibe to it based on the other three games in that series. And I ignore the fourth one. That doesn't count. Um, the. <laughs> It just doesn't. It's a different developer. It doesn't. Is it feel Arkham the same. Origins? That's the Arkham different Origins. One? Is the yeah, other one? It's not good. No, it's a it's a completely different developer. That game just like doesn't actually count towards that series. So yeah, bad. Yeah. Um. But Gotham Knights is the game that like I'm the most excited for. Out of actually out of all of the stuff from DC fandom, like that's the one that I'm the most excited for. And it's because it feels like a continuation of that Arkham legacy. And it kind of makes sense because like WB owns the property overall. And so Rocksteady had developed that engine and like that look and feel. And then 
they kind of i don't think they handed it over but i'm sure there's a lot of like internal sharing and code base sharing and lots of jumping off places where they could like hand parts of it to wb games which is the creator of gotham knights because gotham knights looks kind of in the same vein mm-hmm. as the arkham games were except it's multiplayer if you want it to be it can be single player but it, you can play the whole game multiplayer you have four characters the premise is that like Batman is dead, and so he calls in, like, you know, posthumously. This code black goes out, which is a video that goes to four of his apprentices, and he's like, I'm not around anymore. You have to be heroes. And so, us as the player, you get to pick which of those four you want to be, and it sounds like you can jump between them as much as you want, and they all play differently. Whereas, like, the Arkham games, there were some points where you got to play as other characters, and they feel a little bit different, but it looks like they're trying to really, def- like, differentiate these four even more than has been done in past games because it's oh am i going to remember all of it um it's batgirl it -hmm. was robin it -hmm. was uh red hood is that Mm -hmm. the guy with the guns who just shoots people because Uh he just shoots people um and then nightwing nightwing yes nailed it so yeah i mean i'm excited to play like with all the different characters and experience that and i'm also excited to kind of get back to that I don't know. There's something about the Arkham game vibe that just appeals to me. I know it's a little dark. It's a little gritty. It's kind of, you know, rain at night on a super dark night and you're a superhero stalking your prey. But I I like that. It works for me. And I'm okay with that. Um, The one thing that makes me hesitant with this game is the fact that we saw levels and numbers over people's heads. And... Oh, that can that can go so wrong. That can go it so can. wrong. If if they do it right, it'll be totally fine because it's just kind of like an extra system. If they do it wrong, it's going to feel like these games as a service game where you're just grinding to grind because they want you to play it forever and that's your only game. And I hope that it doesn't go in that direction. It could, but from what I saw of the gameplay trailer so far, I'm like cautiously optimistic. Yeah, this one, like, I actually didn't notice the numbers and the levels when I was watching it during the gameplay. I wasn't paying really close attention to it at that point. And I, but I was watching it and I was like, oh, yeah, I really like this. I want to play as Batgirl. I want to play as Nightwing. Uh, the only one I don't want to play as is the Red Hood because I hate it that Jason Todd is alive again. And that's why I stopped reading Batman comics again uh, when they brought him back in Hush. And, because he should be dead. He, the, the, Jason Todd is dead. That's the thing. Anyway, um, like I don't, like I didn't see that. I didn't see the the levels and stuff. And it could go really, really badly. But if they do it right, if they can get it, you know, where it's just an action game, uh, where you're just upgrading and uh, there are just damage numbers, maybe it's going to be okay. Because this is going to be the first one in that that feel that that kind of style of the Arkham games where you can explore the entire world as these other characters that I was talking to somebody on Twitter the other day while this was going on and I didn't realize in Arkham Knights because I hadn't gotten uh, all the way through Arkham Knight that the tr- the Nightwing and Robin areas are still just challenges that you can't explore the entire city and do stuff with them even during their own uh, DLC parts. So this is going to be the first time that you can do that. So like I really look forward to exploring the areas that they put out with being you know Batgirl and Nightwing and Robin. 
Yeah, totally. I also really hope I you may have noticed like I didn't notice one thing on here if every section is tied to a specific character or did they say you could play all characters in any part of it? No, it sounded like you can play any character at any time and you can okay. pair up with any other character. So the whole game is designed to be single player or multiplayer with any of the characters at any point, which is pretty I, sweet. I think they said couch co-op too, didn't they? Uh, that I'm not sure about. I think they did. Y'all don't hold me to it, but I'm excited <laughs> because I thought they did. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of things got us excited from DC fandom. You a little bit more than me, but there was enough there that I thought it would be cool to do a whole episode on it. Um, that's probably it for today. You guys can write to us with questions, comments, suggestions. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network, like the magazine that we launched today. Go to geek2geekcast. Nope. Go to geek2geekmedia.com slash Patreon. I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. I'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geekies. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Beep, 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 beep. Comics. Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.